Welcome to Escape the Earth. We are a sci-fi and fantasy podcast broadcasting from an undisclosed location within the San Antonio Public Library. We are supported by the library and by the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. I'm Mary Elizabeth, and my other crew members today are Alyssa. Hi, everybody. And Tim. Hello. Today, we are going to be talking about Liu Cixin's three-body problem. Before we get into that, though, we just want to warn everyone about a couple of things. First, there will be spoilers. We go into this assuming that you have read the book, and so we aren't going to tiptoe or stutter step around anything. If you haven't read the book, hit that pause button, go read it, and come back to us. Part of our goal is to encourage people to read the books. We truly believe you'll get more information out of the discussion if you've read the book. Second, this is geared towards adults. We're not potty mouths or anything, but sometimes the subject matter will not be for youngling years. Liu Xixin, and I'm sure that uh, somebody will criticize my pronunciation of that, but I'm doing my best. Liu Xixin is the most prolific and popular science fiction writer in the People's Republic of China. Liu is an eight-time winner of the Galaxy Award, which is the Chinese version of the Hugo, and a winner of the Chinese Nebula Award. Prior to becoming a writer, he worked as an engineer in a power plant. His novels include The Three-Body Problem, which we're discussing today, The Dark Forest, and Death's End. This is all from his Macmillan Publishers page. And if you want to learn more about him, he has a really good Wikipedia page as well. And I think Alyssa's going to give us a synopsis. You bet. What would you do if you intercepted a message from outer space? Astrophysicist Ye Wenjia is the recipient of such a message. But the message is a warning. Do not answer. Your planet will be invaded. Ye Wenjia has not had the easiest of lives. She is in political exile at Red Coast Base, a Chinese military installation and radio astronomy lab. As a girl, she witnessed her father murdered at the hands of Red Guards and her mother's betrayal. She witnessed the exploitation of the Earth at Mongolian logging camps and was betrayed by a journalist who at first showed her kindness there. She came to believe that humanity is inherently evil and incapable of moral awakening. So when Ye Wenjia intercepts the alien message, she sends her answer to the stars. Let them come. The Three-Body Problem by Su Xin Liu tracks the repercussions of Ye's decision and its effects on both humanity and the alien civilization with which we have made contact. The book tackles themes of science, philosophy, and religion, asking questions about the potential for human resilience in the face of alien invasion. Dun-dun-dun. So I have to say, upon finishing this, it's one of those books that I wish I could immediately go back and start again. I kind of a little bit did because I wanted to be like, okay, wait, there was a lot that happened there at the end. Let me go back and revise. There's so much. There's so much. There's so it's and it's not undigestible. It's it's given to you in a way that makes you just intrigued and you want to read more and more until you get to the end and or midway through and you're like whoa this is actually happening <laughs> you and you know they he throws so much at you i mean you mm-hmm. have things about the the cultural cultural revolution in china yeah silent know. spring is thrown in there all of these big thought and right. happenings in the world that changed that changed history that really like 
was a little intimidating at first, but gosh, that story, once it's, once it hits, you're, you're hooked. <laughs> and if you like the hard sci-fi, there's plenty of discussion on that too. So I guess the first thing we should sort out is from a science perspective, if I understand it correctly, the three body problem says that you can calculate the projected movements and effects of two bodies on one another and in relation to each other. But when you throw in a third body, it becomes unpredictable. Is that your understanding of it? That was my understanding of it as well. And then destructive was the other piece, destructive to the planets. Whereas in that binary solar system, when you just have two stars, they're moving in a predictable orbit. But then, yes, the three body, the third body, I guess, introduces chaos. Right. The planet that they have made contact with lives in that chaos. Um, but first, you don't know there's another planet. Planet. the whole first part of the book there's a game there's a game that one of the main characters Wang Miao is playing and but even before that he starts seeing numbers everywhere before he goes into the game <laughs> hold on guys there's so much more to talk about <laughs> he's he gets pulled off the street to go join this battle command center and they keep talking about a war and attacks happening and he's like what are you talking about i was just sitting at home <laughs> and, and then he starts realizing that scientists throughout the world have been have been killing themselves because they're realizing physics doesn't exist and how bizarre is that to say <laughs> physics doesn't exist and that's why they're just kind of like their mind is blown. They can't handle it. And they kill themselves. Everything they've been working to. <laughs> and go ahead. So you're talking about the character of Wang Miao, who has like yes. the best name ever. Yes, Wang Miao. <laughs> the nanotechnology expert. But Da Shu, who is the police officer, the lone police officer in the battle command center, is sort of the person who puts it all together and his ultimate rule is that there's always somebody behind it and yes that was bored out oh of course he is such a great character he's like the voice of reason and common sense throughout this whole thing people are getting too much in their heads and he's like you guys need to chill out <laughs> there's yeah, but somebody he's also, behind it he's also a jerk <laughs> Yes, he's very much the person that's always like, I'm going to tell it like it is. And you're like, that's just being a jerk. <laughs> but I think that that being a jerk is to a purpose. It's so that he can put you off balance and, and learn to read you. So he... he. I think you're right, yeah. He does different yeah. things. Like there's a point where he puts Wong at ease. And there's the, there's a point when he shoves Wong pretty hard. Uh on a psychological scale. I agree. Yeah. And I think that's all done so that he can learn to read Wong. And I think he's done that with every single person that he comes in contact with. He's, he's almost like the Tim Roth character in Lie to Me, where he's just really good at reading people. Right. Wong Miao is who we travel this book with, who we see through the eyes of. There's another main character, Ye 
Winxie, who we start off with, and she's just this fantastic character. I'm like, whenever we went off of her stories, like, no, go back, go back. I want to see what she's doing. <laughs> she's but, she's yeah, fantastic until she betrays all of humanity. I but I understand her motivation behind <laughs> it though. <laughs> I don't agree with it at all. <laughs> I don't think it's the way to have gone, but I do understand why she was pushed so hard to give up on humanity, unfortunately. Yes. You can see why the religion that she creates has appeal to people for sure. Yeah. That one character that we hardly ever, that we hardly have contact with that Mark Evans character um, was, I think maybe one of her first recruits, yeah, he they quickly they find people who can be radicalized to accept what's going to happen <laughs> and make it come about. They've um, so that's why they create the three body game to find the intellectuals who can, yeah, like you said, make form this religion around the game and the people behind the game, <laughs> the the creatures behind the game. <laughs> The game was so fascinating. The, so it's, they're put in this, you're dropped into this desolate world and it's destroyed every time you're there and you're, they're trying to figure out what is, what, what's going on. And there, it turns out that this is the three body problem. The game is called three body. And there's this world that keeps getting destroyed by the three suns, the three stars and it's real. <laughs> the Trisolarans are real. The Trisolaris system is real. And it's just, whoa. <laughs> Once that actually happens, you're like, well, yeah, I can totally believe this is a real thing because you've been following Wang Miao through half of the book. And you're like, this this is very interesting. This is intriguing. What is going on with this this planet? And and you're like, okay, I could believe that. Sure. <laughs> because the Trisolarians live in this very chaotic environment their society is destroyed and rebuilt again and again and again uh, sometimes it lasts only a couple of hours um, sometimes it can last years and the trisolarians defense mechanism for this is the ability to dehydrate themselves and going to like a stasis until the chaotic eras are done. I guess a few select people or or inhabitants are allowed to stay hydrated to bear witness to the chaotic era and carry knowledge forward. That was so, one of my favorite aspects of the book is that the book is that they would all dehydrate and rehydrate. I just I thought that was so ridiculous, but also <laughs> really a brilliant way a brilliant like scientifically possible way for life to carry on through eras of instability like planetary instability because in a way if you think you know when a comet hits the earth and it seems like all life got gets wiped out right like the dinosaurs it wiped out large mammals but small small creatures bacteria things like that survive it's almost like all of life does in a way dehydrate it goes down to this small level and then suddenly 
comes back when there's enough water and enough sustenance. So there's a really metaphorical way to talk about life coming and going from a planet. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if they actually had the ability to dehydrate and rehydrate or if it was metaphorical and that their planet just went through these really long turns. But then the people that survived, it seems like they did so because they buried themselves under the ground in a pyramid, somewhere where they were sheltered from the extreme heat, the extreme cold that was happening as the suns were cycling through their chaotic orbits. You you do get a little information on that one from when you go into the listener's perspective, because at the end, there's that long section that's all from the Trisolarian's perspective, right? And, and the listener talks about what their life is like they're they're very much like hive mind almost you know they they talk he talked about how because he was poor and he had a low station in in the trisolarian society the only way that he could expect his existence to continue was to mate which would actually not bring about necessarily babies, but it would bring about other beings that were a perfect union of the protons and neutrons of the other yeah, person. Those, they they combine him and his him and a mate would combine, and their DNA would, and then they'd split into five. Split up, yeah. <laughs> and that's the only way that they're they go forward. Otherwise, their substance, their earthly or worldly substance goes into the goes into the pyre so to speak yeah so so what was the three-body game also takes you through several successive attempts at establishing trisolarian society and the way they do that is by portraying it as different epochs in human development which i found very interesting as well um, what was the your favorite of those? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think because there were six, he went back into three bodies six times, or not back. He went into three body about six times. There was several different pyramids. It was very interesting that the pyramid re, uh, came back a few times. I'm not sure. I'm trying to. Yeah, like one was time it was they were like beginning. Egyptian yeah, the, pyramids. Yeah, they had the, the Egyptian was the big the first one, and there was a a pendulum, and um, I think uh, maybe when he came back because he his first avatar was named Heron. I'm not quite sure if that's how it's actually pronounced. Um, and then he comes back as Copernicus. He changes it because he actually has an idea as to why these three bodies the a solution to the not a solution but a one of the reasonings for the chaotic and stable era is happening and it might be when he comes back as copernicus and he's and he, he says this is why it's because there's three there's three stars up there's stars they're, they're they're your sons they're not just stars they're your, your bodies of light <laughs> my favorite was when he came I? back and and he met uh isaac newton and hans nyman and, uh, that was so confusing for me that human <laughs> computer <laughs> but but it reminded me of 
you know, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where they build that monstrous computer to answer the question of life, the universe, and everything. And oh, yeah, it's just right. all sort of going off the rails. And um, Isaac Newton was such a jerk. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, really the guy comes was. and he says, wait, there was an error in the computation. And Isaac Newton says, this guy's crazy. And he kicks him <laughs> and then... The emperor looks at the guy who's just been kicked, and Newton takes off because he knows he's about to be executed. Yeah, and that because whenever whenever the scientist makes a proposition and it's wrong, they kill him. <laughs> like okay, but then that body was like, go ahead. Oh, just to say, three body was so bizarre. It was very bizarre. It was, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's how the story progresses. You go back and forth mm -hmm. between that and and the real world. And Wang Miao is seeing this countdown. He stops his work on nanomaterials. The countdown goes away, and you don't you don't really know what's happening. I mean, you get part of the story of Red Coast from Ye Wenxia when Wang Miao goes to see her because her daughter has died. Um, but she doesn't give him the real story. You know, it's just trickles of information. And you don't realize till towards the end that she was the catalyst for bringing the Trisolarians to Earth. They haven't reached Earth yet by the end of the book, but they're on the way and they intend to decimate Earth. <laughs> they intend to just, they want to live there, <laughs> here. Um, they need a place to land. Their civilization is not sustainable. They've figured out through their calculations that their suns are slowly kicking off every single planet in their solar system and that they're, they're next, basically impending doom. Their impending destruction is coming. They need a place to flee to. They've discovered Earth as a result of the radio transmissions that are going back and forth. But they've got problems too because when they come... By the time they get here, they realize that Earth's technology is advancing in such a way that by the time they get across the four light years or whatever it is to get from Alpha Centauri's solar system to here, our technology is going to be so far advanced that we're going to be able to destroy their fleet and possibly circle back to their planet and just wipe them out there. So they've got to find a way to stop us. The strange thing about it was, is I kept finding myself thinking, like, at different points in the book, I would think, okay, this is all set up. It's just three body and this rumor of, of messages being passed back and forth between alien civilization and Earth is just a ruse to try and mold people's thoughts to create a new religion and, and to take away all of that rivalry that caused such tumult in Ye Wen Chia's life. But no, like as soon as I thought that, it was rebuffed. And then I was thinking at one point, like, what was the big deal about the nanomaterials? They never went back to that. And then it ends up being the nanomaterials that they used to basically turn a tanker ship into like grated cheese that That's was awesome. amazing <laughs> i was listening to it and reading it at the same time and i'm like oh no this is over this is too much information 
That was amazing. That what you hinted to earlier, are, uh, Alyssa, what, how they were going to try to throw us off our game was to end science for us, which is what you was hinted at earlier in the book with the um, scientists figuring out that there's no science because the, our, the super collider experiments aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, what they think that's what physics should be doing. And because they've sent two protons, two tiny protons to our, to our earth to wreak havoc, they were able to reprogram, they unfolded them and refolded them back. And so now they're just doing everything they can to end science for us. And so they, in order to fight it, I think people who do practical science, like the nanotechnology, that's actually a thing that can be used, is used against them already with the, with the, the threads of nanotech strung across the Panama Canal where the huge ship is coming to. And then everybody gets sliced to pieces, <laughs> including the ship. <laughs> Which interestingly was... enough, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, it's not actually used against trisolarans. It's used against the segment of earth of humans that have allied themselves with trisolarans. Right. Cause the are not here yet they stuff 400 years to get here so it's we're already in discord because of them well so, humanity got excited by itself and created a religion out of this yeah they, we, we just tend to do that <laughs> we just did that like that just is a thing that happened and i think yeah. one of the most fascinating things about this book was when you see the trisolarian side at the end it's revealed that they did the same thing with us there's a bunch of pacifists over there that are creating religion out of humanity at the same time. I, I, I just, it blew my mind thinking about that and thinking about that the author created these two societies, these two parallel things. <laughs> they both created a religion out of what, what they learned in of the other ones. Well, not even that really it's, we're filling in the spaces where we don't know what we're just filling in blank spaces about another society filling it in either benevolently or filling it in malevolently, right? Either you're thinking that these aliens are coming and they're going to invade us and kill us and take over us, or you're thinking they're coming and they're going to be our salvation. And the same thing is happening in Trisolarian society where they're thinking, no, these people, we got to establish with them peacefully, or, you know, we're going to take over their planet. They're bugs. I love that piece at the end. <laughs> oh, in fact, I'm I know just... that was... <laughs> I already decided this episode is going to be called Long Live the Bugs. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, uh, to harken back to what you said earlier, Alyssa, how, how things dehydrate and the world survives, there are many bugs that do crawl into the earth and survive over many years, <laughs> like the chachadas and, and sometimes even frogs do the same thing. So... I think it was appropriate for them to call us bugs. <laughs> we are going to survive like bugs. <laughs> yeah, the 17 year cicadas. Uh, I find interesting also, like other little pieces of symmetry, like the um, 
the reporter that gets yeah when she had trouble at first it, the trouble for her after her dad's execution all starts with a copy of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring and then her first convert is another guy who's an environmentalist whose father owns an oil company and the problem for her the big problem one problem that arises out of this is that as soon as she starts this sort of cult to help the Trisolarians come take over Earth, her intention is for them to reform Earth. Not necessarily to eradicate humanity, but her first convert, his intention is for humanity to be eradicated. And so almost immediately... Her religion, her cult, splits into two factions that are sort of conducting espionage against one another. And one of the things that she says when she's interrogated is, I started the fire, but I couldn't control how it burned, which I thought was a very poetic statement. It is. There's a lot of beautiful like you said, symmetry that happens in this book. Uh, there's that time that when Yet first encounters the the message from space, when it's like, it starts off on this day. However, Yeah saw something odd when she glanced at the waveform display. And it's echoed again when the listener gets it. It's on this day, however, the listener saw something odd when he glanced at the waveform display. It was, it's, it's mirrored exactly. It's, and it was just so beautiful. <laughs> like, hey, hey, I, that was the same thing, and I had to go back and had to reread it to find it. Um, there's the it's beautifully written too, not just like how wonderfully chaotic it is and how like this insane world and the built world building is fantastic. It's just beautifully written. <clears throat> I want to say that that's a that's a real tribute to the translator as well. It's a very difficult task to translate and to preserve the ideas and the inuit like the inuit the nuances of it and i think that that was just done very very well in this book i i really like that one of the things that threw me off also um that part where they've stretched the nanomaterial across the panama canal and they're waiting for the ship to slide through it and wang miao is talking to that uh colonel and um he says Imagine if 4,000 years ago, humans had learned of an alien invasion heading towards Earth. Um, What would human society look like now? And that's what got me thinking, like, maybe, maybe it was all ruse. Maybe there was, there were no messages and maybe it was intended, you know, and she is intention had been to, teach humanity a lesson and force them to like work together even if it was to protect itself against an imagined foe but of course that does not turn out to be were there any any twists that you guys threw you off the scent so to speak i'm not sure there was at one point where i was did go to a list and i go i think there's aliens involved And she's like, mm. <laughs> but I did go back and forth on, I thought they were already on earth. I didn't know they were headed towards 
filters. That seems a little bit more um, just, just a little scarier, like, oh, there's a chance we could maybe prevent it. But then they've also messed everything up for us. They sent basically um, uh, a, when people, a reconnaissance team, basically, to, to mess with us with those protons, the sophons that they've called them. Right. And the, the concept of the Sophon was that, like, you could take a proton and they described it like a activated charcoal, like how it has all those holes in it. So even though the piece of charcoal might be really small, it has a huge surface area because of all the all the holes. So they're saying that a proton's like the same thing. If you were able to flatten it out, you could create this huge surface area and they use the trisolarians do that they flatten out a proton they make this giant flat proton and then they make it into a computer basically they use that to etch you know to etch on it and make circuitry and and turn it into a programmable computer that they can send to earth at light speed that will then wreak havoc on our scientific studies. <laughs> Alyssa has motion control lights. And so I am um, they went she out just, on me. She waked <laughs> out of existence. <laughs> it's the soapbox. <laughs> they got her. <laughs> I I think well so when they were doing that on Trisolaris, I have a couple of thoughts. When they were doing that on Trisolaris they encountered interesting side effects to opening up a proton. There was that one where they had that first one when they had when the world had eyes all staring at them, and it was the, the other and the scientists were like it'll go away. It's not real. It's in another dimension. But then those eyes figure out how to try to destroy the trisolarians <laughs> by creating a par parabolic dish. That would focus the light onto them. That a giant magnifying glass. Yes, it was like a big old ant trying to kill bugs again. Bug references. <laughs> there was also, I think, early on, two hypotheses that were posed to to the readers, and I think to maybe dasha i think this was a conversation that wang miao was having with him there's the shooter hypothesis and the farmer hypothesis oh right the to farmer try to and the shooter. Think big so that was yeah. so far back i forgot completely about that it's just because i just reviewed everything just now <laughs> but also a lot of crazy <laughs> stuff happened between the time you got that cool talk about the shooter and the farmer and all that physics yeah. stuff at the beginning and then they dump all this alien stuff that's just like whoa yeah so they're like already telling you, you got to start thinking big because you don't want to be the turkey the turkey scientist <laughs> with the farmer which was i actually i accidentally saw a, a cartoon about it <laughs> when i was reading when i was researching the three body and somebody made a cartoon of the 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 farmer one. So the farmer one is you're a turkey, a, a scientist turkey amongst all of the other turkeys. And the farmer comes in every day at like four o'clock to feed everybody. So the scientist turkey says, okay, everybody at four o'clock, we're going to get fed. And one day the, the farmer comes in and it's Thanksgiving day <laughs> and it's not feeding time. <laughs> 
So that's it's a way to kind of think about the world you're seeing differently. That's a very graphic way of doing it, but right, it's, it's questioning it's questioning observational science, right? When you're building theories right. based on observation, they're relative, and the the shooter is the same thing, right? It has to do with if a marksman is shooting a target and shoots a hole every ten centimeters then someone who is in a two-dimensional society observing that observes that there's a hole in their universe every 10 centimeters and predicts that that's just how it's going to be. So everything, every model of science based on observation is relative to the observer. Right. Wow. I'm glad that you guys remembered that because (laughs) I had completely forgotten that part. We got you. (laughs) We got you covered. Yeah, when she uh, sends her initial message after, or receives the initial message after she's she's basically taken from a work camp to jail because of her having read the Rachel, Rachel Carson book, Silent Spring. And then from there, she's taken to the Red Coast space where she's told they're going to work on this communication project and that when she enters she'll never be able to leave and her life has seen all these horrors including you know her mom betray her dad her sister killed in a battle uh and then um, her dad was executed of course and and then hers she herself being thrown in jail and and so she's perfectly happy to have the opportunity to do some science work in this communications laboratory. And as they go further on, she finds out that it's really part of SETI, their, their, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And so that's how she ends up being the first person to receive the message from the Tri-Solarians. Um, I might have missed it, but was she also the progenitor of the game, or did someone else design the game? I don't think they say who designs the game. We know that Mike Evans funds it, but she's definitely at the beginning part stages of setting that up. Maybe I don't know if she is the progenitor of it, though. I don't, but. I think, sure that it, I think my, I think you have the right of it is that it comes from Mike Evans because he has the money to bankroll the game from his rich oil daddy. So he bankrolls the game to go ahead and conscript more people to their way of life. But you've got to remember he, he and Yewenjia are very divergent in their approach to why the aliens should come. The other thing that I just remembered is that she's a total murderess. Remember she murders. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She murders the colonel at the base because the com- commissar. <laughs> the commissar is onto her, right? Yeah, and- well, yeah, because he realized that she she he got the the message too, and but he didn't know that she sent off a, a reply. So, but she knew she was going to have to kill him. <laughs> she gets in the hot water there, right? But she he gets in the hot water. Uh-huh. He wanted to take credit for himself, so he never revealed oh, yeah. that he had. Uh, had was on to her to anyone but her so that was his mistake but her husband is collateral damage to that yes she tried (laughs) 
but, yeah, but he, she, really, <laughs> he really didn't care that much. She was like, yeah, bye, like, honey. It had to be done. Well, if you don't want that other rope, it's <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> yeah. You, she could, was you can lead a horse to water. But humanity <laughs> is inherently evil. I agree. And she I was agree. evil too, right? She believed yeah, that there's... evil was like, what, what did she say? It was like, we're swimming in the ocean and it just somehow it couldn't be separated from us that we couldn't pull up. We couldn't, there's a couple of metaphors and I'm mixing them all up, but we could not pull ourselves out of that about of our own corruption. And because of that, we should be, we should be destroyed. We should be, what did she said? She said in her message to the, to the Trisolar and she said, come here. I will help you conquer this world. Our civilization is no longer capable of solving its own problems. We need your force to intervene. Right. Um, I want to return to that part about the creation of the Sophons because that sounds very much like a conversation that you'd have in high school where you're like, oh man, what if there's a whole galaxy on my thumb? But there is. <laughs> that was sort because of the like point dust of that. Mites. <laughs> it's a the gross dust galaxy. Mites and the dust mites, the mites on the dust mites. Every, yeah. <laughs> that gross thing that lives on everybody's eyebrow. <laughs> and the tardigrade, tardigrades. Thank you, lost quantum, dog. Quantum physics. <laughs> oh, the tardigrades. The, the, what are they called? The bears, the water bears. Yeah. There's some on the moon. Those are cute little guys. They really are. I love their interpretation of them in uh, Star Trek Discovery. I have not oh, seen that. We're seeing both of you. Please okay. get on get on it. That's a great series if you haven't seen it. It's on like Paramount Plus and I don't have it. <laughs> you can get it from your local San Antonio Public Library. Can I really? <laughs> That's where I got what else? What else does the library have? Do they have like ebooks? <laughs> You can get ebooks. You can get e audiobooks. You can download all these things for free. I'm gonna have to try this. Thank you so much. <laughs> so my my television and movie watching is sort of limited by the little people in my house, but I'm super jazzed because my grandson stumbled across Doctor Who, and so now that's that's our thing. We're watching Doctor Who. Awesome. Which has been on my to-do list for a while. Did you want to talk more about the Sophons? Um, no, that was really my point of the Sophons, is that, like, you know, I have hyper-intelligent life, alien life living on my thumb. In two that dimensions? Was... Three dimensions? It's just Nine so small, you can't, <laughs> you can't see it. Yeah, so small. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a hard understand. That that took weird my brain could not compute <laughs> it's just stopped it's like i don't get it but okay <laughs> there was a lot of hard science but yeah. i think it really i think it really was like a kid with a magnifying glass trying to destroy them that's you know so just like you know that that life could be very small it could also be very large mm -hmm. why couldn't it be a kid with a magnifying glass there was interesting a question questioning of did we just destroy a whole society <laughs> at that point that was really that was a really good discussion that the, the characters had in that point these are the trisolarians that are doing 
this and and one final question is did we just destroy a whole society intelligence yes. societies are destroyed every hour every minute every time we smash an atom remember mm -hmm. every time we smash an atom and they said well yeah and that was how they they did their propaganda for destroying earth yes uh, yes the propaganda of that mm -hmm. that that parallels mike evans father's talk with him you know that ferrari i let i got you remember he had that talk with him yeah. about how this was the era of mass extinctions and even know. the time when they when they just use the nano filaments to destroy the ship um weighing me out questions like this is like they 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 criticize dasha for coming up with the plan but they realize they have to use that plan even though it's going to cause death and destruction in order to get the information that they have on that ship yeah i mean they didn't have any better plan and the general knew it he gave him right. this whole box of cigars yeah so there's the questioning of is this right and then yes we have to do this anyway <laughs> like, oh okay humanity is inherently evil <laughs> is the only way you can sneak it up on them <sighs> We're bugs. Yeah. Viruses. Everybody dehydrate. <laughs> dehydrate. <laughs> For some reason, I, I picture them, you know, at the top of their pyramids with some kind of long uh, amplifier going dehydrate. Like those horns in the Ricola commercial? Is that what yes, you're picturing? Exactly. Except no later hosen. This was a fascinating book, and I'm so glad that we dipped our toes into it because it's a trilogy. It's, it's the first book of a trilogy. Um, I I equate this up there with Dune that it's 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 high thinking philosophy, and um, yeah, I'm really I was really glad to have read it and been a part of that discussion of this. Oh yeah, I wonder where the heck this is going. No ideas. Everything's yeah. on the table. Yeah, everything's possible. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the Trisolarians really aren't real. Maybe they're in a mansion in Beverly Hills. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want I want the Trisolarians to be real. I do too. I want but I want us to destroy them. <laughs> Ooh. With a magnifying glass. Like bugs. <laughs> It'd be funny if the Trisolarians actually got here and then their uh, ships are actually like mosquito size. I thought that too. <laughs> We're just They're tiny. What was that? <laughs> oh my I gosh. wonder. I was like, that would be funny. I think that's that was in something. I think it's rough. Not this specific, but. What was it? Was it Men in Black or something? There was like a little, they thought it was, I think it was Men in Black. They thought it was big, but it was actually a little bit. I can't remember, but something. <laughs> <Was that? laughs> it was actually a pug. Oh. <laughs> right, and Men in Black, somebody's a pug, right? Uh, somebody is a pug. Oh, and there is a cat with a little galaxy on its, on its collar. Right, it, it, in a marble. Yeah. A in galaxy in yeah. a marble. So... Well, 
I I think we've covered it. Does anybody have any final thoughts on it? Who would you recommend this book to? Oh, that's right. Man, anybody who loves hard sci-fi will, will dig this. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I think, my first time being introduced to the terminology hard sci-fi. I was saying high sci-fi because I'm just so much of a high fantasy person, but hard sci-fi is, is obviously the way it's called. <laughs> And oh, if and you, Netflix. Oh. If you don't like hard sci-fi, you can just gloss over. You just have to get the basic idea. That's all you, all you really have to comprehend is get the basic idea. And he does boil it down for you eventually. You just, you just skim, skim, skim until you get it. <laughs> and it's on Netflix. It's coming to Netflix, yes. Yes. So we'll get to see a, an interpretation of it on the screen there was a movie that i think is only in china and you can see trailers for it and it's amazing <laughs> i'm ready for that well thank you everybody for listening if you've enjoyed this episode or other episodes we've done please remember to give us a good rating um to view our book list or reviews or suggested reads you can look at our goodreads site just go to Goodreads and go under community and search. We are the only sap will escape the earth out there. Write us with stories, suggestions, random thoughts, you know, book suggestions, interesting sci-fi and geek culture stuff. You can reach us at sappleescapetheearth at gmail.com and join us next month for a discussion of Fevered Star by Rebecca Roanhorse. Thanks, everybody. Alright, thank time. you. <laughs> Escape the earth. Escape.